0: Thank you for tuning in to the WHAM Podcast, where women empower women in business and manufacturing. Well, welcome to the Ribboning Exchanges Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Olson, here with Desiree Grace as part of the Women in Manufacturing Series. And today we are going to talk about some subjects that uh, are quite interesting. We're going to talk about what I wish I knew at 28. As all young female executives, we had that period of time where we were young and eager, but as we reflect, as we get older and get more mature in our positions, we find there's some things we wish we had known back then. So Desiree, how are you doing today? Ready to talk? I am
1: well. How about you, Andrea? I'm
0: doing great, doing great. So You know, as we had prepped for this and reflected a little bit on kind of our past knowledge and experiences, you know, one of the things that first bubbled up was the concept of working and playing well with others and how we kind of saw our own positions in the organization. You know, being young, being eager, you know, you really want to climb that ladder oftentimes, and sometimes you don't realize the nuances of an organization's culture, and you go in a little... In a China shop, don't you think? Sometimes,
1: oh, yeah, and you know, there's youthful enthusiasm and vigor, and sometimes you don't necessarily stop and hit the pause button to analyze your situation. You know, maybe it's your first promotion and you got a little bit of power. But Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean you know it all and you've been sort of anointed the holy one. It's really a case where you may need, if you're smart, to tap into the expertise of your team, for example.
0: Right. Sometimes I think at a younger age, we feel like we have this obligation to prove ourselves. And I think coming in with if someone could have looked back and at twenty told me, you know, go in with confidence. But confidence means being confident in other people. Really, being a leader is about empowering others and helping them do their job, not trying to position yourself as an authority figure, right? So there is quite a balance to that. And when you get that feedback, whether positive or negative, that it's not personal, right? Keeping things mentally business centric.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, there is a fine line between confidence and arrogance. And arrogance mm-hmm. can actually turn people off and make them not want to help you. Right, um, right.
0: You can't the network that way, you know, if you're arrogant. And and networks, to your point, are the things that help you get stuff done, right? You need a team. You can't just fly solo and think that you're going to get to the top on your own.
1: Oh, absolutely not. And, you know, speaking of team, it really is important to get to know the people on your team. You know, understanding why they're in that role that they're in. Is that a role they want to be in? What's motivating them? You know, there are people that take a job because maybe the hours are compatible with their kid's schedule. Or mm-hmm. maybe somebody got put into a role because there was an opening and somebody just shoved a minute without even really consulting them. Or there right. was a riff and they ended up there because they wanted to stay employed. Or maybe somebody yeah. took a job because they wanted to get to know how another part of the organization worked. It's really helpful to try to learn that stuff.
0: Yeah, I think that if I look back, I would have said I dove in ready to get stuff done, right? And that's wonderful, right? Oftentimes you might be hired specifically because of that vigor. But on the other hand, you need to take the time to understand the lay of the land, understand what's been done, what succeeded, what failed, why it did, and get your team's perspectives, right? Right. Because otherwise you're just going to be the next new young buck coming in filled with ideas that everybody goes, uh, okay, you know, we'll wait for this to pass. And, you know, even though you might be well intended, I think if I look back, I would have said, you know, building the respect of your team starts with listening to them and understanding them. Even though you're eager and you might see these problems, it doesn't mean they didn't see it. It's that they were either ill-equipped or couldn't get it done or didn't have the resources. So find out, you know, what the situation really is and what's been done in the past and understand that organizational culture.
1: Oh, absolutely. And um, understanding the culture, understanding, you know, your people. Well, certainly you don't want to get too personal, but I think there's also value in. Realizing that there is a difference between being a colleague and a team leader and being friends, mm. you know, what I mean by that is there is such a thing as too much information. Oh, you know, for sure. You don't want to come to work and mistake that your colleagues are your friends, your therapist's, they don't need to know that you had a fight with your boyfriend the night before or something like that. So you need to learn to leave the personal things at the door. Now, the corollary to that is if there's something major going on in your life, you're moving, you've got a parent, you've got to move into a nursing home, your sister's Mm -hmm. in the hospital, Yeah, you need to let your coworkers know about major things like that, because if there's something major and significant going on in your life, it helps for the people around you, not just your coworkers, but your boss, even your direct reports, to know that there's something big going on in your life. But you don't need to spew all the gory details either. and. You know, I was extremely open when I was younger, and I've actually gotten more reserved as I've gotten older and more experienced. And, you know, you don't want to not share either, but there's definitely such a thing as TMI. And I think that, you know, that's part of working and playing well with others.
0: I totally agree. I totally agree. You know, and I think it's, I don't want to say it's like a parent child relationship. But it's like, I need to know where somebody is. I need to know, you know, when they can be available. I need to know if they're, you know, dealing with, as you said, like a sick parent, you know, all these things. It's like the details aren't important, but it's just about operation and function. And the rest can be, you know, being younger, you think that transparency is giving everything. And really, when you're looking at being a leader, it's about what is necessary, right? And there's a lot of information that, that just becomes a distraction. And that's something that then people are talking about. They're not working. They're not focused on what the next goal is. They're sitting around talking about your personal life. And it's not, even though you feel at that age that you're being really open and honest, it's actually undermining your intent. And- you know, I think back to a time where I was in my late 20s, and I had a new team, some people that were kind of inherited, and then a couple other folks that actually I had brought over from a previous employer uh, that I knew were great people. But the long story is that they were friends before they got hired and then moved into my department. So there was this layer of friendship that actually existed. And I didn't think about it other than I really consciously tried to not over them. I tried to make sure that it was a very balanced relationship and treating them equally and was kind of upfront about that. But there was something small where one of those people, uh, it was after work, I said, oh, hey, could you come over? I want your help with something. And it wasn't a work-related thing. It was a friend-related thing, right? And mm-hmm. of course, they were Oh, yeah, no problem. The issue was that other people in the organization heard about it, and then they perceived it as, okay, so you're using your employees for, you know, personal things that you need. Like, it would help with a project that we've been working on for a long time, but they didn't know that. So the issue was the image of that made me look like, as a leader, that I'm using my employee's time outside of work for personal things. And it was like even though you think you're being fair and that you have a relationship with someone that was maybe happened before you got to that organization, as a younger person, you have to keep in mind you need to make those delineations very clear. And if you're going to have some situation like that, it's got to be super quiet, right? You cannot, you know, have anyone overhear that conversation. Do it on the weekend. Do it at some other time where nobody's there. Because even though it was well-intended and they didn't take it as a slight, right, because we'd been friends, actually friends, those types of things can really undermine your position. Yeah,
1: you really do need to stop and think about how things look. And, you know, I like the point you made earlier about are you distracting from your role and your mission? And it is important to understand that. But just like it's important to get to know your employees well enough, there is value into sharing enough because things do get taken out of context. And, you know, if you're coming into work late because you swung by and visited a sick parent in the hospital, people probably should know that's going on and Mm -hmm. not that you slept in or you're slacking off. Right. And it's a very fine balance. You know, there's enough personal that goes on at work that you need to be cognizant of that. But yet at the same time, not everything is personal. You know, I had a guy that worked for me who literally I got back from bereavement from when my father had passed away and it had been a grueling few months. And I literally walked in the first day and he turned in his notice, you know, he'd found another job, um, was a better fit and was better income, you know, good for him. It's not personal, but at the time I thought, Oh my God, really today you're doing this to me today. Yeah. But it really wasn't personal. You know, he needed to turn in his two weeks notice. He needed to you know, get on with his life.
0: I mean, that's sort
1: of an extreme example, but I do think you need to realize that in a lot of cases, stuff at work isn't personal and try not to take it personally. Sometimes people are just busy.
0: Right. Oh, I totally agree. You know, and to that end, it's like, because people are looking usually consistently looking for fairness, right? They're trying to identify areas where something might be unfair or skewed. I would say that, you know, looking back, the one thing I should have considered a little bit more, and if I could give myself advice, is that even though you might want to go in and make change, you do need to consider the existing organizational culture. And I say this because when I headed up uh, the sales and marketing teams, Um, One of the first things I did was basically say, Hey, I understand life happens. And so, you know what? It's about putting in your time and, you know, making sure that the time that you're using here is the most productive as possible. So, you know, I'm not talking about you having to be here at 8am sharp or 9am sharp. It's like, come in you know, kind of find a slot that's that you can do consistently, but if that needs to flex, go right ahead. Just make sure that you're putting in your time and making sure that that time is well spent, right? And Absolutely. I, I applied it to myself as well as the team, and I thought, wonderful. You know, I have the flexibility, but it's not just for me, it's for everyone. We're all in the same playing field, you know, and it sounds wonderful, right? It sounds like this is a great idea. The challenge was that other departments and other department heads didn't want to run their department that way. Yep. So the problem became there was this position that other departments took saying, hey, I was giving all this favoritism and flexibility, and their teams were getting, you know, upset. Like, why can't we do that too? And so it was an undue consequence of something I was trying to do that with. Positive to me and, and flexible and open, when really it caused other strife across the organization and other departments. And so it's like you know, I look back at it saying, you know what, maybe that's something out of courtesy I should have talked to the other department heads about, right? Knowing that that could be a downstream consequence, right? I looked at it as I'm running my department. Maybe it's in a bubble, right? There's things that we have to communicate with other departments about, and we should collaborate for sure, but, you know, the hours of my team shouldn't be a big deal when they were.
1: So yes. it's
0: that understanding of culture, I think I would tell myself, you need to kind of get a better handle on that. And even though you think maybe something's run awful, and it's stupid, you know, you might need to take more time to turn that shit.
1: Oh, yeah. And here's the other trap there. If you think something's run awful and you walk in and you're like, "Whying the heck is this the way it is? I would really caution against saying something like that. You need to filter because the person that came before you, you know, it's the old adage, don't judge till you've walked a mile in somebody else's moccasins. Yeah. You don't know what challenges that individual had. Maybe it was budgetary constraints. Maybe it was staffing constraints. Who knows? Also, yeah. here's the other thing. The individual that left that role could be elsewhere in the organization, could be elsewhere yeah. in the community, could be personal friends with someone outside of work. Maybe they're on a you know baseball league. Don't ever badmouth the person that had the job before you. You can Mm -hmm. say, well, that's not my approach, or well, I've got a different idea, or I'd like to try something new, or well, you know, I'm a different person from so and so. But I would always caution not to go any further than that. Show some respect, the kind of respect that you would want someone to have for you if they walk into a job you had. And I don't think. You'll ever regret that. Even if you think the person that had the job before you was a blithering idiot and and they were fired, still Mm -hmm. just keep your own counsel on that. If you can't say anything nice,
0: don't say anything at all. Right. There is a huge value in sometimes just saying nothing, you know, and I, I say that I would tell myself at 28, It's okay to be a sponge and just sit and absorb everything. I know that you might come in thinking, all right, I see all these issues. I'm ready to kick ass. Let's do it. I'm going to fire up the team. They're going to be motivated. We're all going to work together. But you need to understand what has happened in the past, and you need to take time to think and reflect on a strategic approach because it is a lot of hearts and minds and you're not the first cowboy to come through. And it's good to have confidence. It's good to come in with that, but you know, they're trying to build their trust with you just as you're trying to build your trust with them. So I'd say, you know, there's passion and there's being, you know, zealous, but I'd say that taking the time to listen and, really absorbing is okay to do for 30, 60, 90 days. It's okay because, you know, jumping in and trying to make instant change can be incredibly disrupted because if you're new and you're new to that department or that role, that's already changed. Yes. And if you can show people
1: that you are really listening to them and that you're taking everything in and you're observing it, that can be a tremendous way to build credibility. It can oh, actually yeah. also be very powerful. And I think you will earn the respect of people if you do listen and observe.
0: Mm-hmm. And, you know, you I know. Think our is aching one-on-one time with your team, right? There's, yes. there's the set of meeting. Hi, I'm here. Great. I want to hear your feedback. Okay. Ready to go move on. No, I mean, start, as you're saying earlier, get to know them. Like maybe each person gets a lunch. Fine, whatever. That's great. But I mean, it's taking the time to hear them and giving them a platform where they can say, man, this is the thing that's been really frustrating and holding us back. And triangulate that. See if you hear that from every person on the team. That might be one of the first things to attack.
1: Well, and here's the other thing. By taking the one-on-one time away from the office, even with each of your team members and also each of your colleagues, maybe the other department heads, for example, yeah, yeah. You, you will triangulate. But here's the other thing, you know, back to your example of having flex time for your department yeah. and the unintended consequences of what that did for your other department heads. You do need to really think about the next one or two steps ahead. What are the consequences or potential consequences of your decisions and your actions? What's the impact on the rest of the organization, the customers? You know, you really need to think. And if you don't know, that's a good time to brainstorm and ask your team and your colleagues, hey, if we do this, what's the likely impact on you? Or what's the likely impact on this department? And is this a positive impact or is it a negative impact? So, you know, thinking ahead, you know, if I push this domino, the next three dominoes to fall, what's that going to do? And that's part of teaching yourself to not be just tactical, but also strategic,
0: right? And,
1: you know, the strategic skill set, as you move up in the organization, your skill set needs to morph or migrate from being strictly tactical to tactical and strategic to quite frankly, if you move really high up in the organization, mostly strategic. Right.
0: Oh yeah. Because when you look back at that younger age and I was looking at proving myself and having the team feel fulfilled and really just making significant accomplishments. When really, you know, now that I'm older and I'm looking at it in a different way, I say, okay, that approach, that idea is great, but that might have been a higher level strategic initiative. Where we say at a company level we're talking about flex time. That I could have had a conversation with the head of HR, right? That we look at talent attraction and retention. We look at doing an employee survey and looking at it as a bigger, broader, sweeping engagement rather than me doing it as a young whippersnapper in my own microcosm.
1: Right, and I think sort of a complementary. Component to that is when you're younger, you want to get everything done. You want to be super productive. You want to be a superhero. You can burn yourself out. Mm, Yeah. Which you're no good to anyone then. And, you know, 80 20 is a thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in general, guys tend to be better at this than women, quite frankly. We are historically known for being good at multitasking, but you really do need to also take time to think about what's most important. Am Mm -hmm. I allocating my time, my energy, my resources to the things that are most important? You know, am I getting, you know, bogged down in the weeds? Or am I literally focusing on something that's going to truly move the needle?
0: Well, and knowing what the needle is. Oh, yeah. sounds crazy, but like if you think of your own needle in your own department, go, okay, I got A, B, and C goals, and I need to get those done. But those tie up to something bigger. And that's where the magic happens. If you can keep, as a younger person, as a younger executive or an up-and-comer, thinking about, but what's the bigger picture? Like, take that time to stop and think. The Another thing I would have told myself is understand the flow of the organization. And I say this in regards to, you know, fiscal year, right? You know, oh, yeah. cycles, right? Don't come out and say, okay, we've got this great initiative. It's going to save all this money. It's going to take six months to implement. We need to do it now. And you're making that ask at a time where, You know, this is the lowest point in revenue in the year. And, you know, it's tax season. I mean, those types of things, there are seasoned executives who know when to ask and how to ask. And that's the one thing I'd say as a younger 28 year old at the time that I didn't consider those things. It was kind of a little bit of a bull in a china shop. Like, let's do this because we should. And, Yes, I mean, there are small, nimble organizations, you know, that are startups or whatnot that do it. They just do. But when you get into larger, more mature organizations, there's a ton of moving parts and you need to start considering that as you make those asks and look at organizational resources, which are finite. There's, you know, someone else is asking for something too. And that was the other thing is they didn't consider, hey, IT might need to buy hardware. Product development might need a new R&D person. You know, I'm just one person in a line of many. And I need to consider, you know, how I make my ask and when I make it. And is there a way to leverage someone else, another other department, so we both get a win? Oh,
1: yeah. And picking the right time for that ask is critical. And that can make the difference between being shot down Or saying, hey, yes, we'll allocate a person or some funding to your fantastic idea. Timing is critical and being sensitive to the workload and to your point, the flow of business is key. And, you know, you are also demonstrating that you understand and respect that, you know, it's a case where too, if you do make a mistake or you don't know the answer, you own it you admit it you don't make a big deal out of it and you move on i don't think there's anything wrong with making a mistake the key is to not repeat it and you know if you need to apologize you should i don't think that's a sign of weakness either but i don't think you should blow it out of proportion and make a big deal either because then that's what people will be talking about and this same thing too is if you don't know the answer to something Say you don't know the answer, but then go find out and report back. Right. And that's not just with, you know, customers. That could be with colleagues. It could be with direct reports. Somebody might ask you something about, you know, vacation time. If you don't know the answer, just own it and get the answer.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the thing. I think it goes back to, you know, when we're younger, you know, we're focused, we're driven, You know, we're often filled with ideas, but there's something to be said for a little bit of, I want to say, put yourself in check, right? A little self awareness of going, you know what? One day, one week isn't going to change your level of success. Take the time to go, all right, I need to understand that I'm working in an ecosystem and that even though you might see other folks that are your peers that are driving projects, there is something to be said for their success based on their awareness and cues of what the organization is willing to accept. And as you said, the timing of those requests and understanding those nuances. And sometimes, and I'd say the the last thing that I would say that I would have told myself back then is to have a little bit more patience Because I had come from, I remember the first big organization I went to, I had come from a tech startup that was fast and agile and, you know, 25 people. And it's like, we can make stuff happen, you know, almost overnight. And I moved to an organization of about 2,500 people globally. And that moves a lot slower. And there's a lot more people involved in making decisions. And so for me, it was just a huge, abrupt change where it's like, well, why can't we do this tomorrow? There's no reason why we can't. And there are reasons why we can't, <laughs> you know. And so, you know, you got to look back at yourself and go, gosh, did you did you look a little silly, right? Did you look like that kid going, yeah, we can go do it. And you have to consider There are things in place that maybe this has to go through a couple of weeks before it can move forward. And that's okay. It just, it is that way. So, I mean, that, if you're going from one organization to another, even department to another, you have to look at how they operate and understand that first. Yes.
1: So I'll share a funny story that was also an aha moment. Young, hard-charging, running a branch for an electrical distributor. Yeah, you know, I was really big on setting up training and having our sales reps from our manufacturers come in and train our people and then, you know, stick around for a day and make some sales calls uh, yeah. to promote their products. So Dick shows up at four o'clock in the afternoon to do his training. Yeah. I was on the phone. He walks into the training room. I walk in and I'm like, okay, Dick, so da 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 here's what we're going to do. And here's what we've got teed up for tomorrow. And he looks at me and he goes, I'm fine, Desiree. Thanks for asking. My trip from Des Moines was perfectly pleasant. No problems at all in the winter weather. Kind of you to ask. Oh God! And I stopped. (laughs) He was so right, and my face got bright red, and I said, "Dick, thank you. How was your drive? Glad to have you here. Do you need a bottle of water, cup of coffee, bottle of pop, or anything?" While you're getting organized, when you get set up, I'd like to grab a couple minutes of your time before I bring the team in. Yeah. And, you know, we proceeded from there. But he did me a huge favor by calling me on the carpet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my intent was not to be a rude oaf, but I was being a rude oaf. So lesson learned, it is imperative That no matter how busy you are, you still treat people like human beings. Yes. Oh, yes. I totally agree. He really did me a big favor. And that was, gosh, probably 18 years ago. And I still remember it because I needed to be challenged like that.
0: Yeah. You know, and it's just one of those things where sometimes, you know, through experience, right? You have to have those experiences to have that aha moment where you go, oh, okay, I get it, you know, and maybe it's a little uncomfortable, but it definitely leaves an impression. I was going to ask you, you know, if you had to give yourself, you know, just if you consolidate down to three things that you could have told yourself at 28 uh, that you wish you, you had the opportunity to do so, what are those three pieces of advice that you would give?
1: I think the first would be the story I just shared, which was, Mm -hmm. you know, to take time to really remember that you got a human being and to treat them with respect and courtesy. So it takes five minutes to be polite. You should take that five minutes. You need to take that five minutes to be polite. I think the other thing is patience. Mm -hmm. That is certainly something I think you do cultivate with experience, but learning to be patient and understanding that not everybody runs at your pace, that organizations take time to make change, and knowing the difference between being patient and having a project or an initiative stalled, knowing that difference is critical too. And the probably one thing I have done right, I have always had a really high say-do ratio for myself. If I say I'm going to do it, I do it. Now, this is good and bad both, but I have that same expectation of the people around me. If you tell me you're going to do something, I fully expect that you're going to do it. You know, and sometimes people disappoint you and you soon figure out in life who's reliable and who's not. Leopards aren't going to change their spots. So that's probably the fourth thing is if somebody's consistently, you know, change jobs every two years, they're probably always going to be a job jumper if they've been doing this for 10 years. Mm -hmm. So that fourth thing I've learned, unlike the high say-do ratio, which has always been a part of my character, understanding that sometimes leopards don't change their spots. If you're going to be a leader, you need to, to just accept that fact and maybe move on or work within the parameters of people's limitations or people's track record. How about you, Andrea? What are your three or four things you'd tell your 28 year old
0: self? Mm, That's, well, you covered a lot of great ones. And I don't want to be repetitive, but I think there's a few that I could add to that. One would be don't assume, don't assume that you know. Yeah. And don't assume that somebody else knows. So, you know, I think about some of the, the initiatives or projects you know, I was looking to start or get off the ground or why something was the way it was. And a lot of times it was because the organization, there was no one there that knew how to implement it. So it just didn't happen. Or there was no one there to get people on board. Or they just didn't understand, you know, what the impact of, let's say, technology would have on the organization. It was just unfamiliar. And I had just assumed it was, you know, maybe laziness. Like, well, of course we should do this. There's no real, why would anyone not know how to do this? So I need, I think I would tell myself, don't assume that you know everything and don't assume that everyone else does either. It's really about education and communication and listening. And I would say number two would be that when people are inactive, it doesn't mean that They're resistant for a logical reason, and you need to stop and listen and ask questions to find out what the root cause is. And I say this because you were referring to that, you know, kind of say-do ratio. You know, I found out that uh, some of my team members who we, you know, let's say started a new initiative, and it was, okay, we need to do X, Y, and Z, and then a week goes by and nothing happens. and Another week goes by and nothing happens. And I found out that in sitting down with one of the employees, it was like, we just don't know how to go about doing it. We don't know how to go about starting it. You know, it was unfamiliar or they just didn't know where to go. They didn't know how to tactically implement it. And so it was about out of fear that there was inaction. It wasn't because they were avoiding or they were lazy. They just didn't know. And they didn't want to come to me and say, I don't know. And so I saw that as two separate challenges that I go, okay, if there's something that's stalled, understand that there's a gap and you need to take the time to find out what that is. It's not just simply jumping to, you know, discipline or, you know, where's this at and why isn't it there? Um, uh, because there's always a lot of different reasons behind something not moving forward. And then I guess lastly, number three is I would say it's okay. To stop. It's yes. okay to not have forward progress every day. It's okay to just sit and kind of meditate on something for a while. It's okay to not start a new initiative. It's okay to be in maintenance mode for a week, a month. You know, you don't have to be curing cancer every day. And it actually might be more advantageous for you to take the time to focus on internal communications to highlight what you've accomplished to those people that need to know instead of assuming that they do because you're moving on to the next project, right? And that would be to me the most important one was I was too busy doing and not enough of letting people know what we were doing. I assumed that they would know. It's like, oh, yeah, this is what we're doing, blah, 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 blah. But they didn't understand the gravity, the impact, the downstream benefits, I already had that in my head, but your job is to also educate the organization on why you're doing something. And you need to spend a lot of time as a leader doing that and not quite as much time in the weeds.
1: Very, very good point. And having the metrics and providing status updates to your colleagues, it's actually extremely critical. hmm You know, sometimes you just need to report out, hey, we've done this. Right. In case you didn't know it, here's the quantifiable and qualitative impact these things we've done have had.
0: Yeah. and The hugest gap I had as a younger executive is I didn't do half enough in that area by far.
1: You know, I think there's a lesson there in that sometimes you do need to stop and reflect, but also you know, measure and report out before you move on to the next project. I think that there's a lot of things we've learned from other people. There's a lot of things we've learned by making mistakes. Also, though, sometimes you need to take a step back and say, you know, there's a couple things I did right too. And, you know, not just focus on what you did wrong, but focus on what you did right. So you can keep doing the things you did right. And tweak the things that need to be tweaked. I would say your point about stopping, stopping for self reflection and stopping to reflect on, all right, how is this going? Is it really working? Is it working the way I had hoped it would work? I think one thought we should leave with our listeners as we wind down today's podcast is, you know, do take time to reflect. Yeah. And I think that. People underestimate the value in thinking about what you've done, as well as what you're going to do and why you're going to do it. But you do need to not always be a person of action. You do need to, especially if you're going to be a leader, be a person who thinks.
0: Any closing thoughts? Oh, you know, that's incredibly well stated. And that's, That's the thing I think we get caught up with, especially when we're younger, is about doing and not about stopping and thinking and understanding that entire environment and what needs to be communicated and what needs to be understood and not assuming that the organization gets it because they see you're doing things. And then you'll start feeling underappreciated because you're not going to get that, you know, satisfaction and feedback from the rest of the organization and what you're getting done, because they just don't truly understand the what and the why. And you can't just tell them once, you have to tell them again and again and help them understand how it impacts their area, you know, how it benefits the organization as a whole. And, you know, that gives you opportunities to find new ways to collaborate as well through those conversations. So it's not something that You should feel like, well, I don't want to toot my own horn or I don't want to brag about what we're getting done. Think about it as an educational exercise and think about it as a way to find opportunities for new initiatives and to capitalize on the great work you're already doing. I agree.
1: Absolutely. Well, with that, we're going to uh, wish our listeners a positive end to their 2019. Yes. We're going to take a pause and we hope you'll stay tuned. Andrea Olson and myself, Desiree Grace, will be back in 2020 with more riveting exchanges. Thank you.
0: Thank you for joining the WHAM podcast, where women empower other women in business and manufacturing. For more shows like this, go to whampodcast.com. That's whampodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in.